Rain, how are you doing? You beat me to it. I did. I was ah. ready for it this time. You beat me last time and I thought, nope, not today. <laughs> I am unbeatable today. Mainly because I'm two stone, two kilos lighter than I was yesterday. Because you had a good cleaning. I had a good cleaning, <laughs> yes. I had a medical procedure that involved soap and a camera. Ooh. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. But it's part of my... Uh, uh, constant um, medical awareness check stuff that I do because of uh, family history in mm-hmm. the big C word. So God bless your father. Um, yeah, and he said, for I have sinned, which would be very true, but that's not the inclination that I needed. So yes, <laughs> I'm feeling full of energy at the moment. I'm sure I'll eat some crap food tomorrow and things will be back to normal, but there yes. you are. Yes, good, nice. But that's neat. So welcome this was a last-minute podcast because I wasn't sure how I was going to feel today. So welcome, mm-hmm. that's good. Yeah. And boy, are we going to taste a incredible whiskey? Hell yeah! Provided by our wonderfully kind friends at Cloudily, who are a sponsor for the next three podcasts. Yes. Uh, so, yes, if you want to know anything about backing up your Microsoft 365, go to cloudily.com, have a look at their products. Uh, they have got some pretty cool insights uh, around how you can make the most of protecting and securing your data. One of the things that I learned from their website, actually, uh, uh, and actually from a comment that um, Michael mentioned, um, was that Microsoft actually recommend using third-party tools to back up your data. Of course, yeah, because if a user willingly or unwillingly deletes any data and it gets deleted from your recycle bin or deletes conversations in Teams, they're yeah. gone. You need tools to get it back. And it's it's, it's all about, the, we're going to talk about humans in IT today, so yes. that's quite cool we're jumping on this. But one of the things that I will mention, because it's big for me at the moment, is something we covered a few podcasts ago with, you know, XLA's, the user experience levels mm-hmm. and, and yep. those kinds of agreements. And even though I might think, and even the company might think that that document that you've just deleted by mistake really adds no value to what we're doing, the human hates losing their kit yes it's it's our biggest issue of change is that you know they don't want to lose it i sweated nuts on that spreadsheet 14 years ago and so i want to be able to get it back please and that's why i'm also saving it in four different folders <laughs> yes in four different <laughs> copies in archive one two three and four so we are on the cynical side of this backup stuff and restoring things for people but it is really about being able to you know make the most of your staff in this space yes so we have a, a guest uh next week um we have Murray Mosseri, who is a senior partner account director, and he's been at Cloud Ally for about 13 years, leading up their backup Working and in restore. The backup space, yeah, yeah. Uh, Sri Lankan. Cool. So it's going to be interesting. I'm not yeah. sure where I have to connecting in from, but I'll find out for, uh, okay. for next week. So that should be good. So Cloudily uh, took our uh, big sponsor packages, which basically they. Uh, provide us with some incredibly nice whiskey to drink whilst we are sponsoring uh, their product whilst they are part of our sponsor. And uh, we're going back to really what can only be described as one of the most surprising whiskies we ever tasted. Yes. All right, yes. from the only distillery on the island of Mull yep. in the town of Tobermory. Yep. And uh, Ledaig, 
I, I remember sitting in this office tasting it and that wonderful cloud of smokiness. But we're, oh, na- we're now drinking yes. an 18 year old version that's been played around with some <sighs> sherry casks, and it yes. is going to be amazing. Yeah. So, we already had a little taste last week, sh- and oh my God. We couldn't resist, let's yes. be honest. Yes, it was yes. amazing. Uh, yes, because last week we did some Japanese whiskey. Yeah, we went to a Nika tasting. Yeah, that and was that, that was actually actually pretty spectacular. Yeah, spectacular. Yeah, I think so because I learned so not not. That's really what I learned. Yes, that's where I was going. Not not the quality of the whiskey, but I learned so much about the company and yes. how they do things, how they approach things. That they've got two distilleries that they remodel. They have different well, stills they, in each one. Yeah, exactly. So they yeah, actually cool. built their stills and the whole distillery exactly the same as the Springbank one, which we adore. 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 Um, and they so they, they have a smoky whiskey that should be smokier. Pretty similar <laughs> as that one. The but it wasn't. Row. No, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but we had a good time. That was good yes. fun. And, yeah, and yeah. then, of course, we sat down talking and drinking for a lot longer afterwards. Yes, but, and we uh, also have a wonderful idea for a whiskey coming up. The Floki whiskey. An Icelandic, whiskey. Icelandic oh, yes. whiskey that was not smoked with peat, S- stop. but Here with we go. something Here else. Here we go. Guys, listen. All of those wonderful people that listen to this, we want to taste a whiskey. We've never done this. We're approaching five years and we've never done this. We would like, if anybody can find a bottle of Floki, it is the perfect whiskey to taste on this podcast. We will pay for it, and we'll work out how to get it over here. Yeah. But if you see a bottle of Floki, buy it, all right? We'll work out how to get it. Even if your wife says, what are you buying that whiskey for? I'm buying it for two great guys that I spend a lot of time listening to. Yeah. So we need some Floki whiskey. That is yes. true. Yes. And we'll tell you the story of that whiskey if we ever get a bottle. Yes. And when you see it on the label, you will have a big smile from ear to ear yes. because you know what we will be talking about. Cool. All okay. right. So let's let's just talk about where we are today because we had one of those days where we started off an hour ago by saying, what are we going to talk about? And mm-hmm. we kind of had a few vague ideas. Um, and we've kind of split in this into two. So we, we're going to do the bulk of the podcast. Uh, and then we're going to um, have a drink on Cloudily. Um, and then we're going to finish off with some insights of our own on this yeah. whole subject. And as much as we wanted to stay away from AI, because everybody is talking about it, Mm-hmm. We end up getting drawn into it um, yes. because of where we where we want to go. And what we want to focus on a little bit today is the human side of IT. Mm-hmm. Uh, humans in IT, which I think is the tagline, hashtag humans in IT, that everybody needs to be looking at. And basically because of an article that you picked up on this week. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So actually this morning, um, uh, so... It, I, uh, it must have been this morning because you'd never remember what happened last week. <laughs> you no, never true. Remember. You have oh. a 24-hour memory. Oh, if only that long. Yeah, I know. So um, so earlier this week, I read a really cool Harvard Business Review article about information overload. I did a wee drum uh, about that. Definitely check that out. Uh, but this morning, I came across another wonderful uh, Harvard Business Review article that was talking about uh, change fatigue and okay. actually that workers are 
getting so much more changed the last few years after COVID uh, than before COVID. You came up with some figures earlier. Yeah, yeah. So before COVID, it used to be like two change programs that people would be involved uh, in. Involved in uh, Is that and, over and, a year or something? Yeah, like I think so. And uh, by now, it's, it's over 10 uh, programs uh, that they're involved in. So they can never do... 100% on each of these change programs because it's just too much and, and too often uh, that it's it's gone. Now, you had some really good comments about that when I was talking about that earlier. Yeah, the problem is that my memory only goes back about 25 seconds and after that I just forget most of it. But no, uh, that's I'll draw, okay I, because I, I, I'll I draw a few things from oh, those. Okay. So yeah, so uh, my real question was, whether or not uh, they have always had, we've always been involved in five, seven, ten change programs. Mm -hmm. It's just that people are now, mainly because they obviously listened to an awesome podcast that last year talked about change in a big way. Hmm. But they actually say, hey, look, if we're going to be successful in here, we need to do change. So let's set up some change programs. Um, and so it seems to be like the word of the moment or something. So that was mm. my cynical view yeah. of it. So it might be that we are involving people much more in the change Formally. and that we're actually doing a full change program yeah. uh, instead of just rolling stuff out and saying, look, this changed. And but the danger of that, if that is the case, I'm saying mm -hmm. if, I mean, who would want to argue with the Harvard Business Review? Actually, I would because they limit the number of blooming articles that I can download I know. and read in a day. And there was something Miserable very, gifts. very funny because it said, "Oh, but if you subscribe f for free, you can read more articles." So I said, "Okay, let's create an account." So it said, "Okay, your first name, last name, email address, password." So I gave him my password, and then it gave me an error saying your password, and then in full letters, my password that I wrote does not comply to our security standards. And I was like. Fuck you, don't don't put my <laughs> what if somebody's looking with me at this day can now just see my password. But it was what? Not, they weren't going to use it anyway. No, but uh, what but like everybody else, you have the same password for all five hundred and seventy two yes, websites you're <laughs> I do. But let's go let's go back to the article then. So my, the the cynical thing about this is that that human beings potentially can deal with more change when it's a natural kind of a process i.e i'm self-learning i'm improving mm -hmm. yes. somebody showed me how to do something differently compared to all of the extra stuff that goes around with uh you know change programs being more formal and mm -hmm. you being forced on there yeah um, at, a, at a certain uh, podcast that we did years ago we talked about dynamic stability correct about it everything is always changing yeah uh, and so, but it's interesting. And I can, I, and again, the cynical head says somebody reads a statistic that says, hey, people are now involved in 10 change programs compared to five years ago when it was two. And they go, I can write an article about that. And probably away they yeah. go. But, but who cares? It's Friggin an interesting journalists. question. Yeah. Because one of the things it was talking about was the old word we've used a long time, of course, which is, you know, change fatigue. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and to yeah. an extent, that is true. Yeah. That there are more and more changes around. And we 
we then thought about, hey, okay, so the humans in IT, the projects that we're dealing with, we've just come out of MVP Summit, mm-hmm. um, and then we've just come out of Microsoft 365 conference in Vegas this yep. year, where Microsoft uh, announced a huge a number of changes. So yeah. the big three have got significant changes. Yes. Um, Outlook uh, is now on uh, preview, so if you have um, preview access, now what if you're in yeah. the advanced... Early early release, yes. Early release of your tenant, Mm -hmm. you should now have access to the new Outlook, and it looks pretty cool. I have to say, yes, it does look cool. It does, it does a few really cool things as well. But there's also a hidden depth in there. I was reading an article from one of the explorers. Fem... Femke Cornelis? No. no. The... Sarah Fenner? Yeah, Fenner. Yeah. Sarah. Mm-hmm. Sarah did one where she kind of suddenly worked out how she could create emails from her calendar things or something. I did, I've did. i only saw the outline of it. I haven't read it. Yeah. Um, but I was going through Twitter early and I saw that and I thought mm-hmm. I, I made a note to, to read through that. One, um, of, one of the coolest things that the new Outlook does is if you want to book a meeting with people in your organization, you no longer have to see when they're available. It automatically says, if you write down the names that you, of the people you want to invite, it will automatically give you like three possible moments in the next days when all of you are available. Yeah, I saw that a few weeks ago in that it's they were... Brilliant. Yeah, it was cool. And and I, w- I was thinking about that this morning. I was thinking within my organization because uh, one of my managers, my peers... Um, has been sending out emails to three or four people as provisional date, provisional date, provisional date, because they're externals. Oh, yeah. So, mm-hmm. you know, um, so I was thinking, okay. I yeah, need you to, can use find time for that, I, for Yeah, example. I need to yeah. kind of find uh, yeah. a, a, the right solution mm. for that. So Outlook is one of the big three changes. Go on, you wanted to add something else? Yeah, so actually it, it's also setting us up for more changes later on. Because the reason why Microsoft has gone to this new One Outlook is that they want to have the same code base for Outlook on the web, Outlook on Windows, and Outlook on Mac. So if they only have one code base, that means that later on they will be even faster on on reiterating and, and adding new changes to Outlook. We should also say that we are not negative about changes here. No, so, no, uh, no. We, we actually not, like no. all of these things, and in my mind, as consultants, we love these <laughs> things because that gives us like proper job. Yeah. No, but I was actually aside from the obvious one there. But generally, um, uh, the chaos theory in my mind lets these changes come out anyway. So humans, yeah. humans get stressed. Okay, mm-hmm. but I don't think they get stressed. I want to make a statement which I know someone's going to shout at. It's good. But I don't know whether I actually believe it. So I'm going to, I'm going to say it anyway. <laughs> I don't think that the people using Microsoft 365 in a serious way get stressed because of the changes. Mm-hmm. I think the groups of people that get stressed because of the changes are those people that are process-driven, that are doing repeat things, and then that repeat things change. So I am working in a call center, so I answer calls all the time, and I'm changing from one call center software to another call center software. 
uh, or there's a change in the, that level. Yeah. So I think even though there are a lot of changes that happen, we should not automatically assume that A, it causes change fatigue, mm -hmm. and B, I believe that you can identify which changes are going to cause the most stress necessarily. Yeah. And the second thing is, based on some experience last week, is that... Um, even if, and I bless every human in IT here, all right, but even if we give you the training to do, you don't fucking do it. So out of last week, 100% of people were getting a new piece of equipment that would have been in there, and only 38% did the training. So that by the time the changeover day happened, um, there were questions galore. And they, course, were, they yeah. were all being taken as issues. Mm -hmm. And the reality is that they weren't issues. People just hadn't done the training. Yep. And IT looked bad because if we had said, no, we cannot do this changeover because people haven't done the training, mm -hmm. it's not our fault, but we end up with the ones that get in the black mark about not doing the change. It's all about ATCAR. People don't feel the desire to do the training so that they're prepared to have the knowledge to do the change. So they don't have the ability. You now, see, there you're are two instantly things. saying it's our fault. What about no. the people that didn't do the change? And because it doesn't mm -hmm. matter what you do... This is not yeah, about change. No, no, that's the F in Atkar. Yeah, I got that quoted at me again yes, two days ago. People by John. need to fucking do it. And yeah. I mean, they need to be forced to do the thing. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, but uh, so I've got I've got so many things that that I want to reply about that because yes, absolutely. So in, in uh, my big pharma company that I currently uh, work at, um, I've I got a new social media training that I needed to follow. And it was mandatory and it had to be done in the next two weeks. And there was an exam where I had to score 80% off to actually mark it as complete. So that was something that was in my mailbox every day. I needed to do this. Um, did you do it? I did. Did you get 80%? Uh, after, Second time after, after five times or so, yeah. Now, interesting, when I've seen the similar programs, if you fail three times, you actually have to go and do it for an hour's day training. Yeah, just like uh, driver license thing. That kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yes, that was the other thing about this particular training that mm -hmm. we talked about. We made yeah. it mandatory, but it was mandatory based upon the managers need to insist their teams do it. Yes. But they don't want to keep putting this change and stress on their teams yeah but but this is the whole problem with user adoption people don't want to do it they don't care or whatever and that's where we we talked about this i know at great length last year. year about the middle managers force well though the team I leaders they need to do give that message to, to their people and they need to be fed that information from top management that, yes, blah, it, blah, blah. Anyway. But, I mean, it's also, you know, they need to be identified as an official task in some way so that yes. if they fail to do it, it goes against their bonuses. and their, Something like that. Yes. There are ways of forcing them, mm -hmm. the F in ADCAR. But either way around, change fatigue, there is a certain amount of stress around. There's no doubt about that. Yes. Um, but I'm not entirely certain that it's the IT changes 
that mm-hmm. are coming out through these new applications that mm-hmm. are necessary no. driving it. I think a lot of humans in IT relish those kinds of changes because it's making my life easier. Yeah. So Outlook is changing. That is for certain. Yeah. There's some really cool things in there that's going to change. Absolutely. But the look and feel will change, and that I think is quite a stressful thing. So the sooner yes. you get the pitches out to people on what that's going to look like and and some of the things it's yep. going to do, the better get that desire set. Mm-hmm. Uh, teams? Oh, yeah, big, absolutely. Big, big We've changes. got a new a new Teams uh, coming out. But I feel that that will not be a major change in people's heads because technology-wise, there's a lot of change. It's it's so much faster by with switching accounts and, 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 and starting up all these things. Brilliant, nice, good. Switching from one channel to the other, 50% faster, whatever. All good, brilliant. But people-wise, any new features? Not really. I mean, the text box in the channel will appear on the top instead of on the bottom. I, yeah, but that's Man. brilliant. Yeah, because that... the times you've got to scroll to the bottom when you swap into a new channel or a new team. So that is one of those simple things that I think will be great. It's just that is something you need to tell people. Oh, and yeah, the, the absolutely. The fact that you've got yeah. the box ready to type in. So there's a lot of if small you, improvements. True, but if you don't tell people that, they will see it and they will go, Correct. oh, that's different, but will they need to have training about that? Not really. I don't know. I think I think uh, we will drop in the talk about this a drip drop of change a little bit later on, but that's cool. Let's just talk about what other changes we've got. SharePoint uh, June July is going to be a big change around SharePoint, especially mm-hmm. around intranets and stuff. Yeah, um, and uh, they're looking quite neat. Um, yes, and so pages are going to to look the biz. Um, yeah, probably not so much in the terms of the doing and the libraries and things like this and the collaboration side, mm-hmm. but. But again, the big three are changing. Yes. And of course, we're getting Loop as well. Loop. Now, also a big change. Now, that, that is, is going to be a big change. Yeah, no, that is cool. Um, that's one of the modules I'm going to write as well is uh, practical use of Loop. I think now it's appearing everywhere. Yeah. It's, and it's it's going to make the question, when do I use what? That question is going to get so much more difficult. Uh, that's a simple question. Why does everybody say this? Okay, we need to work together on, let's say we're going to deliver a new workshop. So we need to work together on something. Fine. Are we going to create a SharePoint site about that? Probably not because we will need to do a lot of conversation. Okay, so, so I get where you're do... going and I could let you okay. go and bore everybody to tears about yes. the fact that we have to have this conversation. Okay. But let's, let's, do it face, <laughs> let's do it face-to-face instead. Yes. So where are we going to meet and when? Uh, Barcelona. And, and what time? Barcelona, La Whiskeria. <laughs> but it, there's no difference. It's all about negotiating your communication paths. Yes. And once you've got them set out, once you've got them set out, then you just deal with it. So I know, for example, that when I'm dealing with my it was members of my team, we have a loop in in our chat window and that's where we put any tasks and things we're going to deal with if i'm dealing on a project i have a team with their channels if i'm dealing with suppliers so i choose the method that best suits the things i need you have a collaboration protocol about what tool you want to use for what no and i will never ever have a communications protocol collaboration protocol in this case but yes communications protocol same thing (laughs) 
So good, cool. Depending on what you want to say to who, you should choose this specific tool. No, but why don't you want to have that? Uh, because have you listened to my weed dram? <laughs> no, I, 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 uh, which one? The la the last one. I can't even because find it. You said you sent it, but I've not even uploaded it yet. Nobody else has heard it either. Oh no! You're oh. you're giving them a teaser. Oh yes, because that goes that that's all about information overload and so many people communicating HR and IT marketing. I was busy sales. this weekend watching cars go. I know, I know, I know, and I'm so freaking jealous. Well, you had the choice. That's I know. Actually, my I my know. good lady wife said to me, "I bet Moran's annoyed." Yes. I mean, yes, but yes. he had more important things I to do. I had to watch little children do you had to watch modern little dance. Marin. Marionette. Yeah. yeah Marionette. So, uh, so I uh, yeah, anyway. so he's doing ballet. Yes. But that's fine. I was at uh, the spa 12 hour race. So, um, uh, so why do I not like those structures? I think that there is time for structure and time not to, but when you're dealing with humans, mm -hmm. they should have and be able to make the choice. And when they're in an environment where things change, quickly then they need to be able to make the choice on what they want to do so take loop for example all right if you had a communications protocol nobody would be even using it i disagree wholeheartedly no, they wouldn't and so also you, giving you would people not... choice is is horrible for lots of people why the only person i need to know how to communicate with is you in terms of the choice and mm -hmm. then John, I will talk to him via email. And Susan, you know, when I get up in the morning. Oops, sorry, did I say that out loud? Um, but Susan, when I email her, or, you know, Carleen, when I text a message. So I have the tool that I use because I always talk with video to that person. I always message that person. So I don't agree. And I don't like structure. Okay, but you're you're a different kind of person because we work in IT, so we're kind of a polite of, way of saying no, I'm a no, dick. no. Uh, yes, <laughs> that as well, but that's not new. But anyway, um, it, I mean, lots of people that I get in contact with because I do quite a lot of user adoption bits and I talk to a lot of end users. They just want to be told what to use when because they're they see all these possibilities and all these platforms and they don't know what they should be using and how many times a week do you get people saying hey i'd like to load this app up on ms teams please because it will be good for me or 0.1 times per month so there I are think. people then that don't want to no it's just yeah, not it's just not happening 0.1 times it's never happening rubbish okay I, I actually, I, let me, I let had me I had one else. one example in the last three years of a person coming up to me saying I want to install Mural on Teams. There you go. See, I told you it happened. But, <laughs> but how many places have you been in where you have had a communications protocol document? How many have you ever written? Two. And how many places have you worked? 27 there ish. you go so yeah. those 25 and i know it's not an accurate no. number i get that yeah, yeah. they don't have one and, and are they surviving they are in a good way or a bad way uh, probably in a good way so yeah. you you don't get any value out of it in fact you waste the money building it 
telling everybody about it, letting them know it's there, putting it on your internet, communicating about it. Getting information overload. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, but I also... so uh, that Okay, no, let's just, just get yeah, sensible. Yeah, it, just goes it is a good idea if your organization is very process-driven. So if you have the yes. kind of people that have one job and they need to do these things on a regular basis and they need to be able to sort of... You know, but if you but have an also, environment that is more innovative, collaborative, uh, IT savvy, you know, then potentially you can let them work it out for themselves, which you have done for twenty-five of your companies. Still, I don't agree. But I know you don't. It's because in the morning you boot up your device, you watch your inbox, you watch your Teams activity, you need to check. Your loop workspaces on changes. Why? You need to see calls. You need to see WhatsApp messages. You need to Are you that check anal your that Yammer. You don't want you... to miss something. No, I'm not. But it's just coming from all these different channels. And I have to say, Microsoft also includes now another big change called the Microsoft 365 feed. I don't know if you've seen that yes. already. Which I think is brilliant. Because it gives you information from all those channels and it just condenses that into one feed. I love that. Great. <laughs> Don't get too excited. I'm trying not to. <laughs> all right. Because the reason, the problem will be the one that is not included in the feed. Yes. But I don't know which one. Is exactly. Not, but still, yes. I, I honestly think that people find a way. Ooh, great you, Jurassic Park quote. Correct, yes. yeah, something like this. Um, but humans in IT are human. We are inquisitive by nature. We we know not how everyone. to Not everyone. We're, we're not exploring Mount Everest, all of us. Most of us just want to do nine to five do you and know something? go it, back home and watch Big Brother on television. Is the question, is it easier to climb Mount Everest because everybody knows the ways up Mount Everest now. Mount uh, Everest actually, actually Mount, Mount Everest is now super crowded correct. and there's lots of litter because everyone's well not everyone, but, but there's so many but people doing people it. know how to get there and it's not a challenge anymore. Because it doesn't change. It's the same mountain and everything else. It, it might be a challenge. It's been in terms done of, so many times. Yes. Sure. So it's okay. actually normal. In terms of mountain climbing places to go, it's normal. Ooh, I wouldn't say that because it's the same like long distance running, like a hundred mile run in 24 hours. Like our good friend from the UK does. I cannot remember his Darren, name. Sorry. No, Danny, do uh, it. won't even be D. Jeez, I will come back to his in name. a minute. Yes. Yes. He's listening he, he to his podcast that. at the moment going, it's me. <laughs> exactly. Um, so sorry, buddy, that I forgot your name. So sorry. Uh, it's been a long day. Um, but, I mean, he does that. But, I mean, there's not that many people doing it. Um, the last time I monitored him doing it, I think there was like 20,000 people on the same run as him. Really? Yes. Shit. And and they all had a GPS backpack, so you could actually work out where they all are on these different places. Wow. Okay. So the definition of normal has changed in the past 30 years. Isn't it just because we're too many people and we do have too, many, too no, much free time? It's because everybody has choice. 
and they can go and do it. That's my point. So you can give them all of these tools, okay, and they have choice and they go and do it. It's true. Like everybody's doing a podcast these days. Yeah. <laughs> we were there first. It's so cool that we've been doing this almost five years. It's going to be so cool. Guys, we are planning a five-year birthday party just to give you a heads up. Yes. In the autumn, we will have a place and we will uh, tell you about Microsoft 365 for a few seconds and then we'll taste some whiskeys yes. for a few hours. Yes. Yes, and it's going to be awesome. Yeah. You see how unique we are? <sighs> we are doing exactly the same thing we did for our 100th. But it was so good. It was really good. That was All right. Coming back. Humans part, in yes. IT. There are some changes around. Marin and I disagree about the way you should deal with these changes. For once. We never do that. We never have different <laughs> opinions about anything. I, I want to kind of mention Agile just a little bit at this point. All right. Um, because I think that people... Again, I'm about to say something and I already know that it's not entirely true. But people are big enough to be able to make their own decisions about what they can do today and what they can't do today. Now, the problem with very processed organizations, of course, you're driven by things outside your remit. Okay, But most organizations that are dealing with this stress work are looking at it from an agile perspective where for a short period of time, you decide what you're going to do, you make sure everybody else is aware of what you're going to do, and then you get on and do it. And you don't, deal with things that come in on a Wednesday that you hadn't planned on a Monday. You tell people, sorry, no. All right? And it's going to get done on this date. Most people don't come to you with something that must be done in the next 24 hours. And of course, if you do, it's a high enough priority for you to drop something else. Yeah. So prioritizing your work and allowing people to decide what they're going to get done and agree mm -hmm. it as a group is the way to relieve stress. And it's the way to decide who is going to communicate with somebody else and how. Anyway, the big three are upgrading over this next two to three months. Yeah. So that is a, a level of uh, potential uh, change fatigue. Discomfort. Discomfort, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then I suppose we have to talk about IA, Dyslexia Rules KO. <laughs> I'll let you work that out. I can see your brain going click, 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 click. Does not oh, compute. Oh, yeah. okay. Yes, yes Copilot is going to be around uh, sometime in the next couple of months, I expect, in our mm. Microsoft 360 environment. I think it's going to be end of the year. I don't think it's going to be that fast. Really? I think so. I don't know. I mean, just today we saw the news that they were running this with 20 companies and that they now opened up the early adoption or adopter access companies. for 600, 600 yeah. companies. That is probably going to take three or four months to run and then they might open it up in private preview in September-ish. I don't, I don't think we're going to see that before Ignite. I don't think so. We will. I hope so. Two months. Two months. I'm okay, putting so my July. Yeah, I'm putting All it right. on the wall. Okay, July. I'm, I'm preview in July. Hmm. I'll tell you why. Why competition? Competition. 
I read a great article from Google the other day where they are lifting the safety of AI because they need to get it to market. Chat GPT yes. has frightened the life out of everybody. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Microsoft have bought the rights to it. Yeah. So they can sell the same product. Yeah. And they're going to want to get in quick. Otherwise, well, why invest in that Bing. $10 billion? Yeah, it's already so in Bing. I can guarantee two months. No, I can't guarantee it. No, but there you no. go, two months. Okay, you're saying July. I'm saying October earliest. Preview July. Which basically means it will be doing everything it's supposed to do, but they won't guarantee the service levels of it. Yeah, they won't. Yeah, so the amount of hallucination might still be high. Oh, I love that. I love that. That's yes. my latest thing about AI. Yes. I don't know what to say, so I'm going to make it up. Yeah, I love that. Because I have to say something. Because yeah. ChatGPT, I cannot say no. Ooh. Okay. So it makes it up. Anyway, so um, I, I think it will be out quicker, but Copilot will be here. Um, and uh, we kind of read some great articles uh, on LinkedIn from... Carolina Ketukari. Hey, Carolina. Yes. It was a great little article. I haven't read all of it yet. I've just scanned through it, but Moraine actually went through it in detail. And um, basically that people are going to start thinking, hello, they... Well, well, no, actually, the, what the, the thing what's going to happen is that, uh, and and that's what I got from her article, is that when Copilot is appearing in our system, they're going to ask it a, a certain question, and they're going to get results back. And the idea is that you will only get results back from information that you're allowed to see. So if you don't have access to a document, you will not get uh, any data from it. And the problem is... In most organizations, we don't know what we're allowed to see and what we're not allowed to see, and we actually don't know what we can see. So all of a sudden, it will suddenly appear for us, and we'll go, ooh. Yeah, exactly. So that's because it's, it's actually this, this Delve all over again. So with Delve, we had the same thing. We were showing it to everyone uh, because we thought it was so super cool, and then managers were looking at it, and they were like, oh, but I don't know if my security is set correctly. So I don't know if, if, if I'm accidentally sharing something with my organization that I shouldn't be sharing. No. So Copilot is going to be interesting. Uh, it really is about preparing best you can. And the article talks about a number of things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so from, from our perspective, you know, making sure your security is there. Yeah. Uh, making sure your sensitivity labels are not just labels, but are actually re are seriously restricting yeah. and protecting mm -hmm. your uh, content. Yeah. So you can actually exclude. So that's something that, that they've shown already is that you can exclude things from a certain uh, sensitivity label. For example, top secret. Okay, don't index that information. Correct. Yeah. And at the end of the day, as far as we understand, this Copilot stuff is going to be using a lot of graph stuff. Mm -hmm. It's going to be using a lot of indexed content, and yeah. you can stop content being indexed. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, that would be the ultimate way of doing that. So how humans in IT have got a lot of things that they need to work their way through over this coming year. Yeah. Um, the big three changing, Outlook, uh, Teams, and SharePoint. Copilot dropping in sometime this year, um, and uh, we'll see who ends up buying who a bottle of whiskey based upon that kind of stuff. Deal. 
So, and I think Copilot in its own right um, has some questions that need to be be worked on because you you said that you used it to do something the other day we we told other people on the podcast we used it we used it to create a whole podcast once just exactly. to see what yeah. it would work but it's not and copilot it, it did so, that pretty good it did yeah no it does copilot let's just be clear here copilot from microsoft it's the ultimate assistance i think you came up with um basically we want to check it on copilot we we do not want it to be autopilot. Well, the the thing is, copilot is a copilot. An assistant. You're still in the driver's seat, yeah. and it's the copilot. It's going to help you, but it's not an autopilot. It's not your self-driving car that will not drive anyone out of the road. No. And so in terms of, of copilot, in terms of where it's going, I, I, actually, I wonder whether they had that statement ready when they came up with what we're going to call this. Or whether it's Might something that's be. come from yeah. which came first, yeah. co-pilot or the excuses for using it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so co-pilot is not a replacement for anything. It's not a replacement for 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 lots of things at the moment. Um, it is the ultimate assistant, which basically means that you know you kind of use it to um, as an innovation tool, as a, a tool to move you along quickly and easily. Um, and we've seen some stuff which we're not going to get into this tiny time, but it, it's going to be pretty magic. Um, you know, things like designer in PowerPoint might start working properly, you know, uh, yeah. in terms of where it's going to go and, and what it's going to do. It, but, it, actually, it's, it's just going to take a lot of boring, repetitive tasks out of our hands and taking care of it. No, I agree entirely. But there's some things that we need to be careful of. So we do need to make sure that our um, communities or our workers or our staff are aware of its intent. It's important. Mm -hmm. You can't just turn it on and let people go um, yeah. you, for, for a number of reasons. Um, and I think the biggest one, so we, we talked about something. That <laughs> so we, we talked about a collaboration protocol and a communication protocol. Do we also need to come up with a co-pilot protocol? Yes, absolutely. Awesome idea. Yes, fabulous. Great. You heard it here first. Yes, <laughs> you need that. Okay. Um, we just need to make sure that people are aware of it. Yeah. I don't know whether there's any commands, but I mean, I, I had a bit of a, a bit of a thing here that, you know, if people trust it, um, then it's not going to work for them. It, it is not the definitive source. It it actually is very intelligent. That's what the I stands for. Yes. All right. Um, and so so it will give you an answer. And it basically uses like your auto spell. So like when you write a sentence, it can work out based upon previous sentences what the next word should be. But it never has a sentence that has no word there. It mm. never stops a sentence there. So therefore, the intelligence says, I must have a word, and this is the best word. Mm -hmm. But it might not make any sense whatsoever. Mm -hmm. So you can't trust it implicitly. The problem is that humans in IT, some of them are pretty lazy. Yes, All right? IT people. I mean, yes, some, IT some people, people, definitely. Yes, but yeah. some people are pretty lazy, mm -hmm. and they basically go, I've done now. Yeah. And they, you know, they won't. To generate... Right? Yeah, Done. or, you know, this is better than anything I could write. Mm -hmm. You know, writing, getting grammar right, it's been around for 25 years. 
That's not a problem. It's the content inside it and the inference that you need to check. So Mm -hmm. is it saying what you want it to say? And I think we also hinted today as well that if you're not a natural English speaker, Mm-hmm. It's probably going to do better English than you could do. So absolutely. Yes. So people need to be aware that you know this is a co-pilot. It's not an autopilot. I like that term. I'm going to start using that a lot, um, and then taking it from there. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're not if you're not going to correct those communications, you're probably better to turn it off. Ooh, wow! But what would be the most Disadvantageous. What would what? What what would be the biggest disadvantage? Turning it off or not using it properly? That takes us back to a very, very, very old conversation that the world has been having about whether the 80-20 rule is enough or a hundred percent is the only way to go. If you believe that the 80-20 rule is enough and that you can survive on that and keep moving on it and you get value from it, turn it on, communicate the best you can about making sure that this is not issued and then take it from there. All right. If you're going to go with 100 percenters that you want, your quality is important, you run atomic power stations, Mm -hmm. you do not want your co-pilot to write a procedure about how to operate an atomic power station without checking it first. (laughs) There's, there's actually so there's there's a new uh, Christopher Nolan movie coming out Oppenheimer. I don't know if you've seen the the new trailer. No. So uh, the the general uh, asks Oppenheimer. So you mean that if we push this button to explode this atomic bomb for the first time, there's a chance that we could like explode the whole world. And then Oppenheimer goes, yeah, but it's a near zero chance. <laughs> a near, near zero. zero. <laughs> what? <laughs> so, yeah, I, I love that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, it, it is a decision that you need to take. And we're also assuming we will be able to turn Copilot off. Um, oh, that's... Well, that's one of the big discussions right now. Is Copilot going to be an extra license that you need to pay for? Uh, or is it going to be based included? upon what we saw, read earlier about the semantic stuff because that said E3 and E5s. Yeah, the semantic... It doesn't matter. Some people yeah. may not be on E3s or E5s, mm-hmm. so yeah. so you, you've got to deal with that. Mm-hmm. So I just want to finish this section off. I've got some stuff that I want to add around this because uh, we, we've been talking about humans in IT and then I want to taste that amazing whiskey. Um... Uh, and this is basically about the fact that changes are constant, all right? Yes. Like, we've got Outlook at the moment. Uh, it is different. I can turn it on to see the changes. I can turn the changes off. So as part of my preview, I can go and learn a little bit, but I can go yeah. back. True. Uh, and yes. Microsoft are doing that a lot now. Same with Teams. Yeah. Yeah. If, I'm in, if I'm in Teams, new version, there's a whole bunch of stuff not even in there yet. It's so early release cycle that if I want to do any management of the team, I have to go back to the old version. Same thing with Outlook. So, for example, one of the things in Outlook that you can't do is open up an ICS file, a calendar file. You can't do that. So you need to switch back to the classic, open up the ICS file, add it to your calendar, and then jump back to the new one. So, amazingly, you need to be able to at least communicate or have a page, questions, frequently asked question pages. All the usual stuff do need to be done. But... I kind of had this as being a bit of a drip, drip, drip change for humans. Yes. You know, humans in IT, change is consistent, do changes. But, you know, in everything in life, 
things change around us consistently. Our children grow up. Our cars grow old. You know, um, television programs change. Yeah. So dealing with that change, some people deal with it better than others, of course. Yes. And I think what that article is saying is that, you know, there are so much more changes being identified that people are feeling more and more stressed by it necessarily than the fact that we're inventing more new changes. Yeah. It, it, it always reminds me with a big smile of one of the things that one of my customers said was going to the new version of SharePoint, but we've only been using this one for seven years. <laughs> so no, we're not going to do that. I mean, the change... So it it always every time when when I think about change that always brings me back to that lady that gave me that fabulous quote. <laughs> Unbelievable. So we'll we'll come back on this a little bit later on, but I think uh, in the meantime we need to uh, wet our beaks. We do need to wet our beaks. Yes. Okay. So. so. Cloud Alley came to us a while ago and said we'd like to be a sponsor for a few of your programs. And what we tend to do is uh, ask them to choose the whiskey. And uh, all right, yeah, I'll be honest. I'll tell them, Moraine, that, that they buy the whiskey as well, don't they? So uh, they bought us a drink or two uh, to do this. And uh, we went, as I said previously, to Scotland. Um, and I'm trying to find the website that we found earlier but I can't find it. So I'll just dig it in again. I don't know where I've lost it. doesn't matter. Um, anyway, it is a, a Ladeig whiskey. It is from the island of Mull. And um, if you remember one of our previous episodes, uh, we were blown away by it. Uh, yes. You know, it's... So uh, how many Lechig... Ladeig bottles do you have right now? Four? Uh, I have four Ladeig bottles and two independent bottlers versions of Ladeig. With Yeah, so it's fair to say we love this uh, stuff. Yes, I think yes. it is. I think between us we've got about six or eight of these bottles. Exactly, exactly. So this is such good stuff. So this 18-year-old is an example of expressive artistry. Expressive artistry. Artistry. Okay. Yes. So this one is the peated. So Ledeg is the peated version of the Tobermory whiskey. Distillery, yeah. Um, so this one is peated and it's uh, finished on sherry cask uh, as well. So uh, what I read here on the bottle is flavors of sweet and peppery smoke infused by the burning of peat from our rugged moors are balanced by a rich complexity born out of an ex-sherry cask finish. This single malt has hints of over-ripened apricots, toasted nuts, and sherry. A little bit of sherry. All right. Superb. Where is my list? <coughs> so what do I get? So it's, uh, it's certainly got a good review on one or two of the sites we use for it. Mm -hmm. I mean, but uh, first of all, it's Ledeig. Yes. All right. So, um, yeah. <laughs> if you start off with a brilliant base product, I mean... <laughs> yeah, what can you get in Exactly, words? yes. But to be honest, we've had 10-year-olds, we've had 12-year-olds. Um, this one is 18-year-olds, so it has been much longer in the barrel. Yes. And it has time to mellow out, so it doesn't have that big oomph anymore. No, but um, we've not always enjoyed them. Yeah. The, the older ones have not always got the same body and complexity. 
Yes. But your nose, as soon as you stick your nose in this glass, you know that this case, that is not true. Exactly. So it's still, it's, it's, it's brilliant. I have to say, it, it still has a lot of that medicinal hospital smell on the nose. That I can never, ever get. You don't? I don't smell it as hospital, and I've been in okay. hospital all You've afternoon. You've been in hospital all day, yeah. So I, I, oh. I think I think it's a, a part of the ethanol alcohol that you're picking up when you do that. Hmm. I don't think so. Well, anyway, when I, I think so. when it's I that sea this. salt, that sea salt uh, uh, smell. So you get that beaded, uh, the smoky is also in the nose. Yeah, there's some smoke there, but I I, I kind of get orange peels. See, I don't get those. And I also don't get those uh, apricots no. there either. But I'm I'm not just a big... The beauty of whiskey. Yeah, exactly. So I'm going to take a sip. Yes. Color is beautiful. It's brownish. So we've got it next to our Oxford Dry, and it's almost the same color. Mm, nice dark brown. Mm. It is. It has the color that goes with the, the taste. Yes. Um and the palate. Nice dude fruit. Is a mm. Um uh, and you get that smokiness floating around the sides of your tongue. And it does go on and on and on. But that was just my first sip. You should always take at least two. At least, yeah. And now the nose is so much more subtle and now you've kind of got the, the overview in within your Oh, yes. I saw the grin on your face. Yes, there. yes, yes. Now, actually, one of the... Well, I learned two new things from that Nika taste thing. One of the things was that, <laughs> that I saw glass. you that as, do that as well. So keep your glass almost vertical and just roll it all over so that you've got a little lining of the fluid inside the glass. And that will bring out much more nosing smells. Yep. Uh, the other thing that I learned was if you take a sip uh, immediately after you've swallowed it through, blow out through your nose or breathe out through your nose, and that will get all the, uh, the, 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 how do you call that? The aromas. The aromas, yeah. Put, uh, that will put it back through your nose, and that will give you much more complexity because 90% of what we taste is actually because things in our nose. Maybe. Maybe. This is a little bit like having a, a change protocol, isn't it? And a communications protocol. This is how you get the best from your whiskey. Everybody does it differently. Because I think oh, yeah. trying to breathe back out through my nose, I'm going, oh, forgot. Damn, I better try it again. And by then it's too late. Yes. But it's, this is pretty cool. Yeah. So... That's also actually something that the taste master, I'll call him, uh, said was that everybody tastes their whiskey differently in a different process or in a different protocol from their own. And that's all fine. But if you're going to compare whiskeys, always do the same process. If you're going to swirl it into the glass, that's fine. But do it for every whiskey so that you can actually compare those in the same process. Agreed. Yeah. And I, I, I say rolling it in your glass slowly does let it stick to the side of the glass. So you get a nose from it, it is different. Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah. Cool. Very cool. This is a grown-up whiskey. It, this, this is, is a this is sitting... This is a pensioners-only whiskey. Yes. It's, sitting yeah. at a fireside whiskey. Yeah. It's, it's one that you can absolutely appreciate the ins and outs of. Mm-hmm. The sherry is is there, but it's not taking over the petedness and the traditional Ladeg. Nope, not at all. Um, yeah. It's it's pretty cool. Um, uh, there's, the, there's some of the taste in those Flavia site we've used for many, many years uh, when they have whiskey on there. Um, and they talk about a spicy romp in an oak-paneled toffee store. That's their nose. Mm, okay. So there is a hint of sweetness in there, and, and that yes. oakiness, I think, is definitely obvious. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, the toffee came through then. Interesting. Mm. Uh, and then the uh, tasting, it's espresso and orange peel, and we talked about the sea salt on there. Espresso? Um, yeah. And they describe it as an amazingly complex expression. That is absolutely true. This is an, a very complex drink. Mm. Yeah. So thank you, dear people of Cloud Ally, to mm. um, give us the opportunity of tasting this amazing whiskey. Mm. Mm. It goes on and on, this finish. It, it does. This is, this is a, something that you can take a sip of, put the glass away for 10 minutes, enjoy and then take another sip so the question is is uh does murray drink whiskey we'll have to ask him. i will never ask him and and maybe we'll uh we'll come up with something if he's yeah. if he's in sri lanka i'm not going to send him a shot but uh maybe you'll be able to buy something from sri lanka that we've never tasted before. Ooh, good call. who knows anyway good murray call. we're looking forward to seeing you uh online and the next podcast yes Cool. It's been an interesting session. This, first of all, we're we're really knocked our time off today. So I hope it's uh, it's been interesting for people to listen to. We came up with a few conclusions when we were we're working on this, and you you're already aware that we have a difference of opinion. So Moren very much likes to get people fixed into some kind of structure. He thinks that's the best way for them to get the most out of it. I I've always been the oh you're shaking your head no, you're not sure no 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 I'm a lot of times people ask me okay just tell me what I need to do just tell me what I need to use I I don't want to have five options just tell me what I need to do so, so I right don't then. I don't make an ass of myself you don't want to give them a structure to work within no I do. You do because people are asking That's what I me said and all you were the time. Your head. No, people are always yeah, but because no, it's but, not. Yeah, it's but not you m- sound confused. No, I'm not because it's not me that want to impose limits on people. It's just that people are asking me all the time, "What should I use?" So and what do you tell them? That's a really better, the more important question. All right. Do if you say it depends at this point, I will kick you in the balls. <laughs> just to give you uh, an upside. A heads up. Yes. Fair enough. Okay. So they say, "What should I use?" What answer do you give them? Teams. Every time. Uh, almost every time. If you want to work with other people, use teams. If. Yeah. If it's so, so if it's you... with other people involved, use teams. But then the question is, do you want to do like a group chat or do you want to set a uh, team up 
Do you want to use private channels? Do you want to use shared channels? So, so many variations. Why don't you just say email? Because I don't believe in email. Ah, you don't. But you've just said that people are asking you what they should use. Yes. So you give them your opinion. My opinion based on my your knowledge. experience <laughs> as a consultant. <laughs> yes, because I, I, I can't say that it depends. But when I create a communications protocol, it's it's got an X-axis and a Y-axis saying the people that you want to reach and the complexity of your communication. And that will have different applications based on what you're trying to do. If you are starting a project with 20 people in the business, go for Teams. What's more important, the person sending the messages view or the person receiving the messages view? For me, it's the people receiving the message. Okay, so because it should be as easy as possible to not get that information. Overload. So this protocol that you've come up with, mm -hmm. you're basically saying, how do you want to receive your content, not how do you want to send your content? Because what you said was, depending on the complexity of the content, depends on the tool you use to send it. So, yes. the person that's receiving the content, how do they know how complicated it is to be able to work out which method of communication it's coming in? They're still going to have multiple places to look for their content. Not if I can help it. <laughs> <laughs> so, you could say email. I want to standardize things. Yes, but email is not always the right tool. But it might be for a company. Not oh, that often. So what you want to do is only send them into Teams? No. Really? So you would say use if, Yammer? If I need to convey a message to you, which is going to be a long message with maybe some attachments to right. it, I will use an email. Fine. So how am I supposed to know that on that day you sent it by email when you normally send it by WhatsApp? Because that's what you're trying to do here. You're trying yes. to set a protocol yes. so that people don't have to keep monitoring those things. If I'll ask and you if you have an hour available to talk about something, I will do. I will use WhatsApp. If I want to send you a um, twenty-sentence, well-thought about message, I will probably use email. You see, I don't know how good a consultant you are. <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> because the real answer is that if it's something that is complex it should be a document shared by teams i do not agree <gasps> really i do not agree so why should it be a document and not just a text message? Because if it's complex it's more than a communication message it's a story about something it's yes, actually something I they would want to refer to at a later date or have other references to. Maybe. Maybe it's just a Almost news maybe certainly. it's just a news item that I want to say. Look, so we, it's a news we scored item. we scored a big customer, for then example. That you would be... want to tell the whole organization, surely. 
No, because that's in my information overload session. If I'm working at HR, do I really care that we just scored a big customer? Yes. No. Yes. Why? Because I need to tell the people that have just joined the organization about how big we are and how the fact that we're dynamically selling to new organizations in different parts of the world. No, I don't need to know that. If Why? I'm, if I'm doing internal HR... I don't need to know that. I if I'm I the janitor, do, not, do I, I do not believe that organizations today are that insular in terms of their communication messages to the point where you can. Ha that was the point of the whole Harvard Business Review article. Oh, so you're quoting somebody else? Of course. God, I told you, you I can't work out what kind of consultant you are. <laughs> Go on, no, no. I'm go just on ev then. evangelizing the message. <laughs> so, uh, because I want to get to our... our oh, yes, yes, points. please do, please do. Because but, uh, we will... Let's agree to disagree. Absolutely. Yes. I think it makes good conversations. So, one of the things that uh, we started asking around when we, we, we talked about this towards setting this thing up and working out that change is inevitable, drip, 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 change, whether you have structure in there or not, the fact that cha big changes are coming around the corner, and of course we're all wondering what AI and Copilot and all that kind of stuff is going to do, is where does it actually leave that human in IT? And we've just mm -hmm. been touching on it a little bit here because mm -hmm. I think we've been touching opinion, humans. Yes, yes, we have been touching it a little <laughs> bit. Um, uh, I think that they this is complex, and it's not yeah. as simple as saying make the rules and live with them. And that's my view. There is a real risk that if people do not accept these changes in some way, um, then you end up with the knowledge in the organization being effectively too wide. So some people know how to use Copilot and some people don't. That means that one half of the business will create things quicker and easier and they will utilize the tools and the other half will get fired because they're not using the things that is making them efficient within the organization. They're not productive enough by the stand by the new standards by the that new are standards. coming. Yes. So those standards that so you, we have a responsibility for making sure that everybody's treated equally. Uh, absolutely whether it's regardless of all the usual kind of things that are around ab about no um, uh, about diversity and stuff. But in terms of the technology everybody has the opportunity to be the best they can. Well, this goes back to the message that was sent in the 60s um, saying that in the future we will not have to work that hard anymore because technology will solve all the problems. Now it's 2023 today and we're still working as hard as ever but we're getting so much more done. Correct. But we're still working as hard as ever. Copilot is not going to save that problem. It's not going to give us less work. It's just going to make us more productive and that will, and we will just have equally amount of things to do, but we'll just do so much more. I also think there's another angle, just to sort of close this off, and, and I'm not suggesting we're going to find an answer for this, but I, but I think it's going to raise the quality of the stuff that we deal with. Yes. So if I'm doing some research on something and I use Copilot to ask me for a definition, I'm going to get things in there that I did not know about before or I had not contemplated that that would be part of that process. Yeah. So you, like you talked about earlier, the risks around Delve and, and getting that content, 
you're going to get statements made mm-hmm. that you need to obviously you know reinforce and check but yes. it wouldn't be a statement that you wouldn't have considered doing earlier so we're also i think going to get a lot more depth yes what i really like about this is that anybody can do it it's a conversation Mm-hmm. It's not knowing the right search yes. terms or, no, or the right true. words. You don't have to be a prompt engineer, which is the big boo word these days. But You don't need to read a what? A prompt engineer. A prompt engineer. Yes, that's the new data scientist. That's a the, new, the new cool job title to Let's have. Let's change my job description then, do I? Yes. I'm going to be a prompt engineer. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I'm going to finish off by being a prompt podcaster and prompting <laughs> that potentially we are close to the end of our podcast. It's good. I'll take another whiskey. Yeah. Yes, I think we'll definitely do that before we've done. So, uh, yes, Murray, we will speak to you uh, on our podcast next week. We need to thank uh, Cloud Alley again for uh, our tasting tonight. And we have another one next week, which is even more unusual which Mm -hmm. is going to be pretty cool Um, and I think this is cool humans in IT change by nature I think 80% of people are good at doing change Um, but again in that equality kind of thing making sure we don't have such a wide amount of knowledge in the organization what we really need to do is to focus on those 20% to make sure that they have exactly the same opportunities the same access to the tools and understanding of them that everybody else has is it gonna democratize information throughout our organization? That is a very, very good question and one that we're not gonna answer tonight. All right, cool. Steve Dolby signing out. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed this. It was fun. Um, it was uh, a lot of subjects. We realized we've been jumping around a bit, but we hope you followed it. We hope you smiled. We hope you laughed. And we hope you have a great week. And I just need to rethink what kind of consultant I am. And with that, I say thank you so much. Also, thank you to our new listeners from the UK. So I got a really nice message on Twitter from a new listener. Nice lady. uh, Just doing her first uh, SharePoint migration project. So thank you for tuning in. UK. Yeah. Bourbon drinker. Yes. UK? Oh, wasn't it UK? Don't oh, know. I mm. made an assumption. One that we'd have to follow up on. Mm. But yes, welcome anyway. Yes, 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 yes. All right, guys. Good night. <laughs>